1: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wiggington, and today I'm sitting down with Kevin Johnson. How are you, Kevin?
0: I'm great, Bo. How are
1: you, man? Oh, it is early on a Saturday morning. Couldn't be better. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us a little bit about your company.
0: So, I'm the owner of JMW Fabrication. Well, JMW Specialty Welding and Fabrication, if you want to be specific. We're based out of Eastern PA. We do a variety of things. We really like to get into the handrail, stairs, architectural, light structural side of things. We are kind of like, a, I like to say we're ninjas at spiral staircases because that's kind of our bread and butter right now. We are pretty darn fast at, and accurate and good at spiral staircases. Most of them are aluminum. We make them for a company that sends them out to the shore for all the shore houses because we're probably about two hours from the Jersey Coast. I started the Welding Business Owners podcast about oh man, probably eight months ago, something like that. Just because I wanted to sit down and talk with more people who are in the same boat as me. Business owners, you know, it's a, it's a lot easier to talk to talk about what you live of live every day with people who are in the same boat. So I just wanna sit down, talk with other people, hash things out, see what their point of view is. And record it for everybody else to hear. And so your company, how did that
1: start? Did you, were you a welder at another company first? And then you decided
0: to break out on your own? Or how did how did it come about? I've been welding since I was 15. I got my first job in a, in a job shop. And that was 21 years ago. So I've been welding more than half my life. And really, it's been, it's just been my passion. I went to school for heavy equipment to work on, you know, cranes and bulldozers and excavators. And then I realized I don't want to be 50 years old crawling underneath of a dozer, dropping belly pins and changing out tracks. And I fell back on the welding, which is really just because I loved it. I hopped around from different job shops. I gained experience everywhere I went and always had a little bit of a side hustle. I was working, um, I would say nine... Nine or ten years ago, I was working out of a welder with a, you know, like a little Bobcat 225. I got off of eBay for like 200 bucks. The thing burned more oil than it did gas. (laughs) Um, I I, I actually used to use a come along and a tree branch to get it in and out of my truck all the time. It was that, a toolbox. Um, It's funny because the leads for that were only, I mean, I think they were like 20 feet long. So, and... You know, when you first start out, you just use what you have. Yeah. These are old battery cables that I hooked up to be leads. And they was, uh, it was definitely humble beginnings. So I moved from the truck to a small little welding trailer, just doing side work. The job I was at, that was, this was 2015, early 2015. He said, hey, you know, things are slowing up for us. You see the writings on the wall. How can I help you go out on your own? Because I know you've been doing side work and I don't want to lay you off because you're a friend of mine. So I said, "Hey, rent me a shop, a space in your shop, for like six months until I could build something of my own." So he rented me the shop space. I kind of worked that off as a barter system. I had like a ten by twenty carport, like plastic carport that you buy from like Pet Boys for like hundred fifty bucks. That was like my home workspace. So started from there, built our shop, twenty five hundred square foot pole barn on our property that we own, and just took it from there. I kind of started with the mindset that it was just going to be me. I was kind of leaning towards the aerospace side of things. And I just wanted to sit in an office chair and weld titanium all day. And then I realized that sounds pretty terrible also. That's not the kind of guy I am. So I just kept on doing the work and it got to the point where I needed a hand. So I was like, you know what, let me just put it out there. So I had some part-time help and then it got to the point where I needed one full-time guy and then I needed two full-time guys. And then finally, it just, I just came to the conclusion that this is going to be it. Like I'm going to have to have employees. The money's rolling in, the jobs are rolling in. I can't do it on myself. You know, I was working 70, 80 hour weeks consistently. And that was, it was tough. At that point, we were pregnant, having a baby. Like, I don't remember exactly the time frame. And I was like, you know, I, I, I can't be leaving at six o'clock in the morning and coming back at nine o'clock at night. That's not a sustainable thing for me. So as far as the business goes, I love the business side of things just as much as I love the welding side. You know, the laying stacks of dimes and voltage and amperage and all that good stuff. Like, that's cool. I don't really you know, get into the weeds about that stuff. I really have a passion for the business side of things. I mean, nobody likes taxes, but I like to learn about how to mitigate my tax liability. So like stuff like that, scheduling, getting new customers, talking to customers, how you interact with them, how you retain customers, how you get new customers, all the aspects of the business side of things, which people who are welders usually hate. Mm -hmm. I actually, I kind of enjoy. So it kind of just morphed into this thing where I enjoy the business side of things as much as the welding. So I think I can scale this to the point where I can hire some people on and make this sustainable as long as I know my role. And here we are today.
1: When you first started getting jobs on your own, how did how did you start getting those? Like, was that just kind of word of mouth? How did you find work when you were first starting out? So when I first
0: started out, it was really just word of mouth. I was already doing, I already had a side hustle while I had my main job. And, you know, I've never been out of work for more than, like, like even in 2008 when things got slow, as soon as I put, as soon as people heard that I was out of work, I had people calling me. It's just, that's the kind of network I had. And when I was doing my side work, it got to the point where I had so much side work where it wasn't so much of a jump to do my own thing. It was more of like a baby step. Yeah. So it got to the point where I was doing four or five nights a week of side work that could turn into more work if i could handle it and if not i still had 30 hours a week of paying work yeah so it wasn't you know jumping off with no safety net and i've got like two people lined up for work and the biggest thing is is when you first go out you're like yeah every you know oh man like you get this false feeling of man i get got work booked out for like a month this is gonna work it's gonna be great that's cool um even two months is cool but at 6 months down the road are you still chasing cuz like you've got your customers who you're serving now and they're you're going to do all the work for them and then you're going to work yourself out of job for a little bit until something else breaks mm-hmm. so right around that like 2 month mark is where you really have to be concerned about making it sustainable and keeping the train going it got to the point where i put the word out everybody knew i was doing my own thing and they all they all i I want to say everybody pitched in like all my, my network of other contractors, they all pitched in to throw me work just enough to keep me stable on top of, I mean, this was seven years ago when putting things on Craigslist was actually a thing. Yeah. So I used to put Craigslist ads out and I learned real fast. You put Craigslist, you put an ad for welding on Craigslist. You deal with people from Craigslist.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and misconnections.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it was rough. Um, there was a lot of jobs that just didn't turn out well, not knowing I just lost money on and not lost money, but just didn't make money. I just kind of broke even. But I got some good jobs out of that, too. Some some people, you know, just networking connections who one of my bigger customers right now was from a connection from a job I did off of Craigslist. Cool. So. Yeah. I didn't really do a whole lot of, I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten a job off of Instagram. I might've gotten a few railing jobs off of Facebook, but those are just because like they're friends and they saw the stuff and they were kind of in the market. Not so much the social media thing aspect of it, but I did a lot of Google advertising when I first started out and that actually really worked out well for me. Just even just me and one other guy, I was spending 500 bucks a month on Google advertising, but the return on it was really, really good. You know, I could book out jobs for weeks and now actually we're so busy right now that we actually turned off Google advertising because we just can't take on any more work. With Google advertising, unless you know what you're doing, you can lose a lot of money quick. I spent probably two days just watching every YouTube video I could find on how Google advertising works, what to do, what not to do and you know even if you just start out small it will dip, you know you'll get something out there as a consistent thing we were spending 500 to 1000 bucks a month and we were getting probably 10 to 15,000 in business from the Google ad space which you know that's not bad but honestly after about a year i got to the point where my google ads weren't to keep me busy it was for those big jobs it was for those once it you know you get a call And it's like an $80,000 job. That's why I advertise on Google. Most of the stuff, it got to the point where most of the stuff was, you know, can you weld the frame on my Jeep? Can you weld this bumper that I bought online? Can you do this? Can you fix the spring shackle on my truck? Like, And we turned down half the stuff that came through. And a lot of people would see that as a loss because you're not getting the traffic that you want from Google advertising. But I just knew that that was just the crap that I had to deal with because in a couple months, somebody's going to call me that with a job that is going to pay for years of Google advertising and the profit that I make from that job. So that was kind of my approach to it. I would say if I had to give really any sort of advice, I would definitely say Google advertising. If you're going to take it seriously, if you're just looking for a side hustle, I wouldn't advertise on Google. People who are on Google are looking for other professionals to work with. And if you're doing this in your garage at nights and on weekends, and you're dealing with somebody who's doing this nine to five, I mean, granted, if they're okay with you doing it, you know, side work, that's fine. But a lot of people, they want to work with other businesses that are professional and are doing this full time. So if you can't be out there at nine o'clock in the morning to go do site measurements and for the for the meeting with the G C and the architect, like that's not really a sustainable thing. So if you're looking to go out on your own, definitely Google advertising. Definitely find out how to use Google before you lose a bunch of money too
1: <laughs> yeah all the like Google advertising Facebook advertising they should be teaching courses on it in college I feel like yeah well they do you know there's a social media SEO there's all kinds of different things you can learn about optimizing your online presence, but it is it's super overwhelming for somebody that you know, you're not from that world and it, it's not really something that is super connected to your passion. Yeah, absolutely. I get really frustrated with that type of stuff because I mean, in music, welding, anything there's, you always have to learn all of the promotional side of stuff and advertising and it's, mind numbing at times and it's just not something that's super closely connected to you but it's super super important and i feel like that is something that newer business owners or even welders like trying to promote yourself like learning as much as you can about spreading the word about your work is huge
0: yeah i think one of the big things also on top of that is learning how to keep your customers you know, you've already spent the money to get them in the door. Now you have to keep them calling you back. It's, you know, there's a ton of different ways to market yourself. Really, if you uh, if you want to circle back to the Google Advertiser thing, it's not something that you're going to learn in watching two YouTube videos. Like you really, if you're serious about your business, you have to be serious about getting customers. Take two days, like literally two days. And watch every freaking YouTube video you can because there are YouTube videos that will explain everything for you. Watch the basics of it, learn what they're t- you know the, what the terms are. If you don't understand what the terms are, watch YouTube videos on search that term, mm-hmm. and that'll go deeper into that. And then the next term, go deeper into that. Then pretty soon in two days, you'll have a pretty good idea of what to put in your ads, how it works, and you can kind of take it from there. As far as keeping other customers and stuff like that, we treat our customers pretty good as far as just, I mean, stupid stuff. You know, like we give, of course we have pens and stuff like that, but business cards, hand your business card to everybody. You you know, welding, you're kind of in a business where it's more, our transaction values are higher than like smaller widget type things. So personally, what we do is I have stainless steel, laser-cut metal business cards. Now, granted, they are like 3 bucks a piece, but I'm not selling $3 widgets. I'm selling $3,000, 13000 $30,000 jobs. So the fact that I have... It cost me $400 to go get a stack of business cards. That is well, well worth it. Because, first of all, people aren't going to throw them away. They're not going to pick their teeth with them. Yeah. And right there, like... It, it starts a conversation without even saying anything. When you hand somebody a metal business card, they're like, wow, this dude means business. Yeah. Like this company is professional. They're not handing me a floppy little card that I'm going to I'm gonna lose somewhere. And that $3 well, well, well exceeds the, th- the $400 you, you spent on cards. Yeah. So I would say make yourself stand out. Give really good customer service. You know, answer your phone all the time, even when there's a problem. Answering your phone when you're first starting out sucks, man. Like I can't get into the flow of things, and then have ten phone calls and have to take each one of them and solve a problem. It takes five minutes, but it takes you another twenty minutes to get back in flow of the work that you're producing, and then. You turn around and then you get another phone call, and you got emails all day. Like, you know, I've learned to batch my emails. Like, when I'm in the shop, I really try not to answer emails, just because my energy and my bandwidth and my focus is more valuable than returning an email that I can easily do tonight. You know, back to the return, keeping customer thing. Um, our customers are they're good customers. You know, one of the things I started out with as a philosophy is I want to only work with good customers. I don't want to deal with people who bicker over price. I don't want to deal with people who are looking for the cheapest stuff around. I want a couple really good customers, a couple as in like, you know, a couple dozen, really, Um, really good customers who appreciate our work, who appreciate the fact that we are there, we show up on time, we do our best to get the job done. We don't bicker, we don't try to, you know, get in change orders, we don't, you know, he haul around why our stuff is late, you know, sometimes stuff is late and you just straight up calm and, and people appreciate that. Like professionals want to work with other professionals. One of the things we do for Christmas is we get engraved yetis and we give them out as gifts. We did that one year. Cause like everybody's got t-shirts and stuff like that. And that's cool. But like, you know, how many companies have you gotten t-shirts from versus how many t- companies do you get an engraved, an engraved leatherman from, Yeah, you know, like and, and and be sure to send them only to the people who who are decision makers. You know, you don't want to be giving out fifty dollar yetis to, to to everybody in the company. But some like the people who actually make the decisions. They they get, you know spend fifty or hundred bucks on them in a year, and your stuff stands out to them. It still shows that you have quality and value and integrity in what you do in the gifts that you give. You know. Hey, everyone. If you are looking to pick
1: up a new machine, head on over to store.linkinelectric.com and you can use one of our promo codes, weld.com10, for 10% off equipment or weld.com20 for 20% off gear, accessories, and these are going to be good for the rest of the year. Again, that's weld.com spelled out, W-E-L-D-D-O-T. C-O-M, with 10 or 20 after, and you can snag some sweet new gear at a sweet new price. That is that is great advice about just kind of keeping on the mind, like keeping your business on the person in charge's mind. Like, did you take any business courses as well?
0: Um, I took a SBA small business course when I was like 20 20- 24, maybe 22. It was super basic stuff. Honestly, I don't think I, I might have learned something at the time. I can't even tell you what I learned there. It was probably helpful, but I I, honestly, I just don't remember. I didn't take any business, I don't think I took any business classes in college, mainly because you had to have like prerequisites Mm -hmm. in order to take those business courses that I wanted to. And I'm like, nah. I don't want to do that. I don't have time for that. Like, just, just let me in this course. And they're like, no, you need to take this, this math and English class. And th- those are two terrible subjects for me. So I was like, you know what? I'll pass. I would probably attribute most of my education to books, audiobooks. When I was like, when I still had a job, I would just listen to audiobooks Cause I worked by myself. I was a maintenance guy for a metal recycling place. So it's loud you need ear protection anyway i just put my earbuds in i would i download audible i got like the 2 2 book a month version uh subscription and i would just download books and listen to them and listen to man i've got like probably close to 400 books in my library now how many and,
1: badges do you have on there
0: uh probably almost that like th- like i just keep getting notifications for badges i'm like oh that's cool I didn't even know there was badges until they started pushing them, and I, 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 I have no idea. I probably have every one of them just because they have a badge for freaking everything on there. So,
1: <laughs> I, I'm a um, huge fan of of audiobooks because it's yeah. a passive way of learning. You know, it's like you can learn while you're earning. You know, learning and earning.
0: Yeah. So, but you, but there's also the flip side of that is you also have to implement it too. I'm really good at listening to books and be like, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then some of it where it's really awesome, I'll like take notes and do nothing with them. (laughs) Man, if I implemented everything that is in my library, I would be, I'd be freaking Elon Musk right now, but I don't. I don't like, I'm not even close. I like to pretend that I'm a great boss. I'm really not. I like to pretend I'm a great entrepreneur. I'm really not. You know, there's that fine line of learning it, but you also need to implement it too. That's kind of another thing. If you're out there hustling and you want to start your business, learn, and you don't know where to start. And you're like, I don't have time to go to school. I can't take these businesses because I have a family or these, these courses because I have a family. Look, man, you probably have to drive to work, so start listening to something on your way to work and on the way home from work. Listen to something on your lunch break. Some books just straight up just suck. Like sometimes the the, the, the narrator is terrible. You know, find something that is just that actually keeps your attention. One of the good things about Audible is they have a really good re, uh, return policy. So if you don't like it, return it. You know, it kind of is what it is. Find something that really that keeps your attention and implement it. And it's you know if you're if you're able to keep earbuds in, IsoTunes has uh, noise canceling earbuds, so you get your hearing protection and you can listen to stuff at the same time. So you can kind of you know argue with your boss, be like, "Yo, this is my ear protection," it's and it's OSHA certified. Exactly. So you know, grab your set of uh, a set of IsoTunes, put on a podcast, put on an audio book. And um, start learning something because that's like I, I I that's how I learn everything about business. I I have a passion for it, but the fundamentals of what I got and the extra experience, it all came from just listening and learning from podcasts and audiobooks. Really,
1: I feel like that is something that is growing these days. So there's a term that has been floating around called infotainment. And so there's a lot of knowledge out on the internet, especially YouTube, and instead of it just being a learning experience, there like information is becoming more of an entertainment, you know, especially when it comes to not implementing the things that you learn on, from the information. Like what kind of podcasts are you listening to that help you grow as a business owner? As a business owner, I get more from audiobooks. What books would you say have been like huge inspirations for you?
0: If you're looking to start a business and a side hustle, there's a book called the E-Myth Revisited. And it's about starting a business and making sure you are the right person to start a business. You know, it talks about how there's owners, there's managers, there's technicians, and some people who think that they're really, really good at their job are able to go off and start a business where in a couple months, you're going to learn that you really hate the management side of it, or you hate the business side of it. And that's where a lot of people fail is because they don't know what category they fall into. So I would say that really influenced me. Man, I love the Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. Um, that hasn't really... Applied a whole lot to the welding business that I started, but it has a lot of really great tips and theories that I have implemented as far as like outsourcing and time management, just things like that. You know, like I like our biggest downfall here in the shop is shop drawings. Like I need to take what's in my head and put it on a piece of paper so somebody else can understand it. I am terrible at that. And we have Fusion 360, and you know, Dave sign has helped me out a ton with trying to figure out how to do draw on Fusion 360. Man, I just can't devote the time or the energy to really get good at it, so I outsource it. I have somebody else do my shop drawings, um, I have somebody else do the load calculations. Like, I could sit there and do all that stuff, but is it worth my time to do that? Or should I go out and just pay somebody for their time? Cause they can do it in an hour. Whereas it takes me four hours to fumble through it. And I'm still not even good at it. So yeah, granted, I'm learning and this and that, but I would rather take four hours of billable time in the shop and pay somebody an hour for their time to do shop drawings, than try to figure it out myself. So really it's, You know, that book is all about like staying in your lane, knowing your role and just a lot of things of, you know, some things you might even see as a loss might actually have a net benefit for you in the end. I really love that book. Quitter by John Acuff is a really good one for starting your own business. That involves, that's all about going from your nine to five and working up to the point where you can actually quit your job and leave. Definitely check out that book. I would say those are probably the the ones that really stuck out to me the most. There's a lot of other ones like Good to Great, How to Win Friends and Influence People, all the ones that everybody else has heard. Definitely check those out too. But really, just take whatever you feel is your shortfall, like you're, like, like you're shortfalling in business, and learn how to fix it. If you are terrible at accounting and you insist on doing your own accounting, which I don't recommend, just pay a freaking accountant to do it because that's what I, well, that's what I do now. I went through those years of trying to do it myself. I did a terrible job and I don't even know. I probably did it wrong. I might've done it right. I don't know. Just pray that the IRS doesn't come find me. Um, No, really. uh, We got all that, that squared away, but really start with the end in mind. If you're gonna do this as a professional business, You don't want to do your own taxes unless you've got a thing for taxes, then awesome. Do your own taxes, but stick with what you're good at, stay in your lane and really begin with the end of mind. Do you want to learn how to do shop drawings or do you just want to outsource it to somebody else? Now, if you're, if you're doing it just yourself, you can figure out because it's all in your head. But when you start getting people in, figure out what you want to do and what you want to outsource And I would say outsource as much as you can because if you don't love doing it, then just don't do it. It's not worth your time. You know, if you're a great welder, then stick with welding because you know what? There are people out there who love the tax code and who are going to do your taxes and they're going to save you. They're professionals at what they do. You know, you are a professional at welding. Stick with welding. Have professionals who are good at what they do do everything else for you. You know, because I promise you with a good accountant, you're going to make more money or you're going to keep more money than you will trying to do it yourself. And that was probably one of my big downfalls in the beginning was trying to do everything because I'm the kind of guy who's curious and I can learn and I can figure out how to do it. But really, it's not worth my time. Like I can be 50 percent good at something and be losing money because I'm not in the shop, whereas I could pay somebody who's 100% good at it the same amount of money, and it'll get done five times as fast as I can do it. And really, if they're good at what they do, it's probably going to save me money because to l- limit the tax burden, you know? But if, that's just one example. But I would say, I forget what the what the question is or how I got on that tangent, but yeah, don't do your own taxes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I mean i i, I got a tax person and <clears throat> i've been so music it's all 1099 most of the time and so like i've i've gotten my whole life just dealing with like 20 30 1099s a year you know and so i was like i was i was pretty used to it but this year i it was because i started my welding business last year And I, it's not just ten ninety nines for me playing at a bar somewhere, you know, it's like, this is, this is like legit stuff. So I need to get someone that knows what they're doing and can explain to me what I have to pay. And I feel like that's the best. Like when you have someone that actually knows what they're doing and you feel safe and secure in your money, taxes are scary, especially for if you're doing anything that is self-employment it is a nightmare trying to figure it out so i i agree with you trying to get like if you don't understand it get someone that does invest in Mm -hmm. yourself to relieve that pressure off of you
0: yeah absolutely
1: and then another thing you were talking about just the worth of your time when people are starting out how do you how would you recommend someone goes about figuring out how much their time is actually worth so when they're starting to bid jobs or just someone wants them to do a project, how would you recommend someone goes about bidding
0: those jobs or putting a price on their hourly work? There's a couple different schools of thought to this. There's the mathematical equation of you need to figure out what your overhead is for the entire month, your electric, how much it is to run your, you know, if you have an engine drive and how much your gases are and blah, blah, blah. And then divide that out by your hourly and how much you want to pay yourself. And then, you know, you, a lot of people don't put in the replacement of equipment. So if you pay $5,000 for something and you only get 2,500 hours out of it, it costs you $2 an hour to run that. So you need to build in the cost of that. When you're first starting out, usually that cost is going to be pretty low. So, I'd like to say I did that. I didn't. I just kind of figured out what everybody else is charging and charged about that. And I made money. So, (laughs) I mean, so that's how you figure out how how I figured out hourly rates. Now, as far as how much it takes to how long it takes to do something and bidding jobs, you kind of have to figure it out. Like there's no formula to it. If you've never done it before, reach out to somebody else who has, see what they think. You might lose some money on some jobs and you might win some. I used to like time and material jobs because I got to figure out how long it took. Now we're at the point where I'm pretty accurate as to how, you know, side note to that, I'm pretty accurate as to how long it takes me to do it. I have to add time because like nobody's going to hustle harder than you if you own your own business. So I can knock out these spiral stairs and no time, like I can uh, two thirds of the time that I have quoted but I have to add in that other third because people aren't, like, the team members aren't going to hustle as hard as I as I do. So you have to have a little bit of buffering with that. You know, put some money on top of the material. Honestly, and, and really your your rates vary all around the country. We're up here outside of Philadelphia. Our rates are pretty decent. You know, we're not New York City rates, but we're not, I don't know, Utah? I want to say the rates might be a little bit low. I I have no idea what rates in Utah are, but I'm going to say we could probably charge more money here. So uh, if you're just starting out and you don't know how to figure it out and you're just doing your side work, charge right around what everybody else is. It's really hard to raise your prices once once you start giving out prices. So if you're doing hourly work and somebody knows that you're working at 65, 75, 80 bucks net, or even 55. Like when I first started out, I was 55 an hour. And that's pretty good for around here. That's like really cheap for around here actually. But it was really hard for me to adjust my rate. And you know, like that awkward conversation and then people expect to get that. And even when you quote things, like you start quoting things higher, they're like, why is it so expensive? And once, well, this is really what you should be paying for something like this. And I don't like with raising my prices. I only ever lost one cu- customer, but that was okay. You know, I, I was okay with losing them. I've got a ton more because I we we give value. On another side note, it also depends on who you work for. If you're doing residential stuff, where somebody's doing a railing for their house, and it is. The literary money cut, like they work, they pay taxes, and then they buy this railing from you. That is a harder hit when you give them a I don't know a ten thousand dollars bill versus if you go and you seek out commercial and industrial customers and you're doing work for them that is going to make them money or get their machine back up and going, they're happy with the ten that well, I mean, ha- as happy as you could be with a ten thousand dollars bill. but like they're much more willing to pay and it's less arm twisting to give somebody a bill for $10,000 on their, you know, $400,000 excavator versus $10,000 on railing that's going to go in their house. You know what I mean? Unless they're pretty baller and they don't really don't care with seeking out customers, you also have to keep that in mind too. Now, granted, there's a ton of people out there who are really okay with spending a ton of money on their house. You have to Get in with those architects, those general contractors, those engineers in order to get those jobs. Like you're probably not going to get those right off the bat. It's just really important that you keep in mind what kind of customers you want to deal with. That way, you're able to charge accordingly. And it's a lot less hassle in the long run.
1: I've had a couple different scenarios. You know, I have like one customer, like it's, I do a lot of work in bars and restaurants. And I they keep me busy because there's always stuff that needs to be fixed. There's new things that they want to like, there's a whole expansion that I've been working with them on of like a new event space. And so there's always stuff going on and and it kind of travels around. But as far as protecting yourself as a business, what about like your insurance? Like what kind of insurance would you say a small business is supposed to have?
0: Well, you should have something. Um, I mean, when, when I first started out, I'm not going to lie. I was doing some stuff that I probably shouldn't have, especially on vehicles, but that was a long time ago and I didn't have any problems with it. But now that I'm in the insurance world, like we don't do things on trucks, trailers, suspension, anything like that, like spring brackets, like we'll do like a bumper or like a truck bed for like a dump truck. But when it comes to that kind of stuff, we really shy away because we don't have the insurance for it. When when I first got insurance, it was, I don't know, like I had, I'm going to say it was probably about $250,000 in coverage or maybe like a half a million in coverage. Just doing like my classification was just doing ornamental ironwork, or ornamental railing, stairs, architectural stuff. Like I couldn't go above one story and it was like, I don't know, like three grand a year or something like that. So it was, it wasn't terrible depending on who you go with. So I work with a broker who only deals with like the actual good companies, not like a, like, you know, in the, the, the auto insurance, there's like the general will get you like the minimum of like the car insurance. It's like, Oh, 29 a month, you know? No, like, like, I, I guess you could get that. And you know. If I get into a point where I need insurance, I want my insurance company to have my back. Yeah. So I decide to go with companies that are actually good. Yeah, definitely get insurance, especially when you're full time. Like like part-time work, man, that 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 that's kind of a tough thing. You know, you have to choose what your what you want your exposure to be to the liability. If if you're out there welding hitches and bumpers and stuff on your buddies' trucks, like, yeah, they're your buddies. It might not happen. Honestly, it's not even about your buddies. If anything happens, it's about their insurance company or whatever happens to the property of the other insurance. They're, they'll be like, well, who put that hitch on? And they'll be like, oh, well, it was this guy. So it's it, it, like they're going to come after you. It's not your buddy coming after you. You know, it's their insurance company because you're you're whatever failed. So I'm not so much worried about things like that because we just don't do them, but that's definitely, you know, there's a big market for working on people's trailers, the tongues of people's trailers, putting on hitches, doing suspension stuff, you know, and I, I know a lot of people who do that, and I don't know what their insurance is like, but I'm sure that they are covered with that. If we were to do that kind of stuff, our insurance would definitely go up a lot more. I just don't want that kind of work, you know. My advice, get insurance, get insurance, get decent insurance, learn the terms that they want to hear. Don't answer any questions more than you need to. Yes, no answers. Because if you say one thing, they're big, oh, well, because you do that, that's a liability. We're going to charge you more money. Just answer the question straightforward. Just be careful with what you say you do, but be honest, you know?
1: That was something that I was very confused about when I first started going, but I feel like the more you're honest with people, the more they want to help you anyway you know yeah uh, there's there's a lot of people out there that want to want to scam for money, but those aren't the people you usually want to be working with anyway, so luckily, you have the freedom of choice when it comes to picking
0: companies you want to work with so funny story on insurance. we did a job at the Newark airport as a subcontractor. And it was working on the bus shelters, like 99% of what we did was working on the bus shelters. Okay. They had this canopy that was included in the scope of the work that we had to do. So they were putting a new roof on this. It's called the gas canopy. So it's a canopy that goes over like two gas pumps and they were taking the roof off of it. We needed to come in there and put like 40 feet of angle and fix it down so they had a ledge to put their roofing material onto, okay? It actually called out to be welded. Yeah, it did. Um, but we ended up screwing it down. But in the process of go- of getting the insurance, getting all the paperwork before the job started, they needed a certificate of insurance. So when you get insurance and you go work for somebody else, like bigger jobs, they want a certificate of insurance to show what how much insurance you have. And a lot of times they want to be listed as a... Um, Additionally insured, so like in case anything happens, the like the money goes to the like uh, you know the money will actually go to them, like they're, they're listed on your policy. And I did that, and unfortunately, the project was called the it has something about gas canopy in it, and my insurance company went berserk. They're like, wait, hold on, you're not covered to do gas, blah blah blah. I'm like, look. I'm not even, I'm over there. It's the smallest little bit. This is like, this is like, and honestly, I think we're going to screw it down. Long story short, this, it cost me like $8,000 that year to have them be, uh, have it like, uh, not exemption, but like have the gas coverage of that job to be able to go over there and freaking screw down this angle. And of course the job went like a year and a half long instead of like, the eight months it was supposed to so i had a like, it, like, it like i had to pay for another year of this coverage so it cost me sixteen thousand dollars to do four hours worth of work on one day just because of the insurance on it so it, it's funny in the shop i have a i have a, like a metal sign that they made like the gas canopies closed for this date to this date as like a commemorative piece of how it cost me to work uh, for four hours one day.
1: That's insane.
0: (laughs) Ah, my gosh. So be careful. Read the fine print. Um, Generally speaking, you can get into most places with a million dollars of insurance on liability, million dollars of insurance on your vehicle, and, like, another million dollar umbrella over everything. That's kind of, like, a pretty standard thing for... Subcontractors that you know that that'll get you in a, just about any job that you that you want to. If you're not going for big jobs like that, I don't know. Get you you might be able to get away with a quarter million. A lot of times in the contracts, it requires and says how much you have to have, and that's a pretty standard number for everybody. These
1: are all questions that I I I don't really work in the in the more commercial side. It's just more. I'm Mm -hmm. more of a small business type, like small project type of guy. So learning that, that's really, that's, that's cool to know. I mean,
0: Uh, as far as uh, insurance on, uh, on your side, if you're, if you're doing this as a side gig, I mean, I don't know how it works with the contractor that you're working with. Typically like, so you go in there, you do, you do, you said you do a lot of stuff in restaurants and stuff like that. Correct. Mm -hmm. If you don't have insurance, what's like, you know, this is just another FYI. And granted, I'm not an insurance professional. This is just what I've run into. So take this as a business owner, just BSing from one business owner to the other. Usually what happens if you don't have insurance on something like that, if they invite you in to do the work and they don't require you to send them a COI of insurance, but they like 1099 you or whatever, or was it a, a W-9? It's from business to business. They're probably paying insurance on you and your work anyway. So what happens is at the end of each year, we get like, this is just a standard for us, all insurances for business. You get an audit of how much you did because a lot of your insurance goes by how much you liability. Not not only that, but how much you gross. And how much your payroll is and stuff like that. So you get audits every year. It's just something you got to deal with. And you just send them over, you know, all your QuickBooks information, whatever. It just shows how much you paid in, in your in your payroll. If you use subcontractors or not, if you, like me, if I use the subcontractor and I don't have his certificate of insurance, when they do the audit, they're going to see that. And they're going to say, okay, well, you need to pay insurance, like your premium, like you have another like hundred dollars you have to pay because you paid him ten thousand dollars, and that's what it's good. You, you're you're you have to pay for to insure him because they, they don't have your certificate of insurance. If they do require you to have a uh, certificate of insurance, then that's all good. Usually, they have standards from their company, so like that million dollars across the board where it, it says in the contracts that making you have a million dollars of insurance helps keep their insurance down because their insurance company wants to see that they're using subs who at least carry a million dollars of insurance on the subcontractors. So, you know, it's it just one big trickle down game. So that's probably something that just to watch out for. If you are using subs and they don't have their own insurance and you do have insurance, you're probably going to have to pay insurance on them at some time. Another business hack, I sure hope my insurance company is not listening. Always undervalue what you expect to make and pay people. So if they say how much is your payroll gonna be, well, if you tell them your payroll is gonna be a hundred thousand dollars a year, they're gonna charge you accordingly. And if you lay some guy off and something happens and you know you don't make a hundred grand in payroll, then Guess what? They ain't giving you money back. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're hey, not refund. Your they're not refunding you. But if you tell them that your insurance is good, your payroll is going to be fifty grand, and then it ends up being a hundred grand, they're going to send you a bill at the end of the year. Well, you know what? I would rather pay that bill than risk not getting to the numbers that I project to them and not getting a refund. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm sure that's frowned upon because um, they want an accurate number. Just know you can save a little bit of – it's not so much saving money because if you do end up paying that $100,000, you're like you're going to pay it anyway. It's just – it's not like the – it's not like paying extra taxes and you get a tax refund at the end of the year. The insurance company is not giving you money back. Yeah. So plan accordingly and just be aware of that.
1: We've talked a lot about business. It's been an awesome conversation i want to I want to chat again sometime soon, but if there was one piece of advice you could tell your younger self when you were first getting into it, what would it be like it might be the biggest challenge you've come up against, or mine is always like just in a year you'll look back on it and laugh, but just keep pushing to get to that point to where you laugh at it the
0: next year. you know it's
1: like growing sure.
0: It's really hard to point to just one. I would say, begin with the end in mind. Uh, You know, structure your business and 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 take take it serious. If if you just want it to be a hobby and dabble on the side, cool. That's that's perfectly okay. It really is. But if you are looking to start a legit business and you want to grow and you want to have an empire one day, begin with the end in mind. On top of that. You got to work your butt off, man. You know, Saturdays are not an optional thing for the first two, three years. Saturdays are absolutely vital. You need to understand that you are going to work more than you've ever worked in your entire life starting a business to the point where you can actually pay your bills and stay afloat. It does not end when you go home. You know, if you're starting a business or running a business, you can't shut it off. You're, you're constantly thinking about it. Know that. Make sure if you have somebody like a wife or a girlfriend that they are on board with that because it's going to take a lot of stress and it's going to cause a lot of stress. And you need to have somebody on board who is who is ride or die, who is down to help pursue your dreams and support you with, with that. I've seen a lot of people who stopped working for themselves because they didn't have a good support system. In order to help pick up the slack at home, in order to support them and understand, hey, I'm not coming home till ten o'clock because I'm not the, done this job. You know, sorry, we had to push this date night off because I'm in the middle of an install and I can't leave. <laughs> you know, so make sure that your support system is there. If it's only you, that's cool. Just when you're ready for it not to be only you, you got to screen in the right people.
1: (laughs) That's awesome advice. And everything today has been really great. I mean, me personally, I know I've gotten a lot out of everything you've had to say today and just want to say thanks for your time. And thanks for being flexible with the good old Saturday morning schedule. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, And is there anything else you had for me before we sign off?
0: That's it, man. I appreciate you and interviewing me. You can check us out on mostly Instagram with the Welding Business Owners Podcast. You can find us on all the Spotify and Apple players and all the other players. And our work is on JMW Fabrication on Instagram. Um, I don't put a whole lot on there just because I'm freaking busy. And I I envy the people who make stories every day and post every every day. I'm like. Man, I don't have the bandwidth to do that, but check us out. We're on there. We do some pretty cool stuff, and uh, if you don't think it's pretty cool, that's okay, too. <laughs>
1: well, I appreciate it, man, and I will definitely keep up with you, and, and let's chat again soon.
0: Sounds good to you. Thanks, man.
1: I have a good day. You too, bud. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. Make sure you head on over to Well.com, become a member so you can keep up with all the new news with everything coming out, as well as popping into the forums to get any questions you might have answered. Until next time, we'll see you out there.